word is made, we shall rejoice and be glad in it. It's indeed a tremendous honor for me to be here today to celebrate the, uh, the Lord with you on this beautiful Sunday morning. And it is a beautiful Sunday morning because it's raining outside, but it's still beautiful because this is the day that the Lord is made and we have a choice whether we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. I give honor to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to your pastor in his absence. I thank God for Pastor Jeff. I've known him now for several years, and we've become good friends. And he's the kind of brother that I will put my hand in the fire for. And so I celebrate him, and I thank God for him, the vision that God has given to this church. Uh, not only is he unique, but I think that you are also very unique people as well. So we have enjoyed the partnership and the fellowship, the times that we have served together and the times that we have worshiped together. It has truly been a blessing. Uh, being here with you on this Sunday morning is a little different for me because I'm normally at my home church ministering and uh, Jeff asked me if I would speak. And uh, he initially asked for May and, and then he slid it up till today. Uh, <laughs> it sounds just like Jeff, right? Uh, but, but anyway, it is a blessing to be here today and I thank God for you, thank you. Uh, Elder James, uh, God bless you. I love your spirit and your, your spirit of hospitality. Also to the praise team, let's give them another hand. Didn't they do an awesome job? You know, a, a really good praise team, it really helps the uh, preacher uh, minister the word of God. If you get a sorry praise team, boy, I, you know, it, it's like you got a hard uh, piece of ground to, to break through. And if you got the praise team, it's been saturated so that when the plowing actually begins, then it's a lot easier. But if, you're, if your praise team stinks, then you have ground that's unbroken, and you're going to break a plow in the process of trying to get it done. So, so thank you, Danny, and to all of the praise team. You guys did a marvelous job. I enjoyed hearing and singing the praises of the Lord with you. Uh, today I want to speak to you out of John, the 15th chapter, uh, verses 6 through 8. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And, and also, I want to acknowledge my wife, who is sitting here beside me, Vicki Walker. Uh, thank God for her. She is also a co-pastor, my co-pastor in the ministry. And also, those of you that came from Mount Pleasant, it's about four of our deacons here that are, to, that are here today. I want to say thank you for coming and being a part of this service. Okay, John chapter 15, verses 6 through 8. The Word said, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. The thought today is a little bit strange, but give me a few minutes. It will make sense before you leave today. The thought today is the gun is loaded. The gun is loaded. Now, I, I, I spoke this word over a month ago at the uh, CTK leadership retreat at Camp Caraway, and Jeff called me a little bit later on. And he said, will you come on a Sunday morning and minister the word again? And I told him, you know, certainly I was honored to do so. So those of you that were at the uh, leadership retreat, I'm not riding an old pony, okay? <laughs> you know what an old pony is? Is when the person has not spent the adequate time preparing for a sermon, so you grab an old one, and you ride the old one because that congregation or the audience has not heard it before. So I'm not riding an old pony. Uh, I'm just kind of following the instructions of your pastor. So today, <laughs> although it may feel like an old pony for me to some degree, uh, the gun is loaded. The gun is loaded. And, and I got those words from a movie that's called The Book of Eli. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie before. 
Uh, if you watch R-rated movies with a lot of gratuitous violence in it, then you are on page with me. Uh, <laughs> it has just the right amount of gratuitous violence in it. But in the book of Eli, uh, there's this central character by the name of Eli. And again, as I say, it is an R-rated movie. I'm not necessarily recommending it. But this central character named Eli, he is carrying around a Bible. And everywhere he goes, he's carrying this Bible with him. And we're not really sure when he started carrying the Bible. All we know is that some apocalyptic event took place. Uh, it was a nuclear war. And he's carrying this Bible, and he has been doing so for many years. Now, Eli, he's a special ops soldier, I guess, because everybody he encounters, he has all of these specialized skills. Uh, he carries two swords that are, that are razor sharp. He has guns in his pocket and on his leg, and he also has a bow and arrow. He's carrying this Bible around, and he is protecting his Bible at all costs. As I said, we're not really sure where he is going. Uh, as the movie continues on, he goes into this shanty of a town, and he meets a guy by the name of Carnegie who wants a Bible at all costs. He has sent out these uh, despicable characters searching the earth, trying to find a Bible. And they've come up short after many excursions uh, into this apocalyptic landscape. But now Eli walks into this shanty of a town, and he has a Bible. And, 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 and Carnegie wants the Bible, and he does everything he can to butter up Eli. He gives him a, 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 a nice place to stay and food and everything else because he really wants to get that book from him. But the next day, somehow, Eli is walking out of the town, and he has not given the Bible to Carnegie. And Carnegie stops him on the way out, and he says, you know, I got to have that Bible. He asks him the question, why do you want it? He said, you know, that book had power. And, and, and after the uh, apocalypse, after the nuclear war took place, they took Bibles from everybody. And he said, I want that Bible because it has so much power. He says, you know exactly why I want the Bible, because this book is able to control people. So therefore, I want to have this book to control the people in this town. And not only the people in this town, but I have a vision that's much greater than the people in this town. I want to control people in other towns as well. So therefore, I need that book. Uh, Eli says, you know, uh, I want to give this book to someone in a very special place, but this is not it. I got to keep looking. So as he is giving it a walk away from uh, Carnegie, he has a, 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 a pistol in his hand. And Carnegie asks him the question. He says, is that thing loaded? And then he says, probably not. They never are. And that is the purpose of what I'm saying here today. Is that thing loaded? Probably not. They never are. But I want to use it in the context of the scripture being loaded within our hearts. That when it comes to conflict, when it comes to war, when it comes to the issues of life, is that thing loaded? In many instances, when you look at Christians today, the answer will be probably not. They never really are. But we must have a Bible that's within us that's fully loaded. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and 4, whereby is given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You see, God has given us all these special promises. There are over 8,000 promises in the word of God. 
And God has given us all of these precious promises so that we can live life on his terms, so that we can be transformative in the world that is around us, so that when we experience the promise of life, I'm sorry, the issues of life, that there's a promise that is associated with that issue. God gives us his promises so that we can see a release of himself in our practical experiences. The promises of God is the inheritance of the believer. It is our inheritance in time, and it's also in our, inher- our inheritance in eternity. God has given us his promises. And when I think of what Jesus did here in John chapter 15, really when you read John chapter 14 through 17, it's the dialogue of Christ that he has with his disciples. He's telling them something very special. And, and when you think about it, Christ was getting ready to go to the cross and die. So anytime a person is facing an end-of-life situation, it is very important to listen to what it is that they have to say. Because in those moments, more likely they're going to say something that is really important, that is something deep, that is something probably that is profound. In those moments, they're going to speak of victory. They're going to speak of defeat. They're going to speak of the things that they want to have happen in their life and maybe some things that they have missed. But in my life as a pastor, I've sat by the bedside of many people that have passed away. I can guarantee you one thing. There are not too many people that died that said, I wish I had worked a whole lot harder on a dead-end job. There are not a lot of people that say, you know what, I wish I could have worked a lot harder to have stuff in my house. I have not heard one person yet say, I wish I had worked a whole lot harder so that I could have a bigger car. But what they really talk about is relationship. I wish I could have had a better relationship with my son, a better relationship with my daughter. I wish I could have had a better relationship with my husband. So the thing that is most important when a person comes to the end of life is not the stuff that sometimes we pursue to try to have to make ourselves more important or to feel better about ourselves or to affirm ourselves. But the most important thing in that moment is relationship. And this is what Jesus was saying to his disciples at that time. He said, if you abide in me, And my words abide in you. He said, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Now, when I look at this scripture, for many years, it somewhat baffled me because it just didn't seem to be true in my life. That when I say, Lord, I'm doing my best to abide in you, and I'm asking you in prayer for these things, and it doesn't look like I'm getting an answer. Sometimes I'm asking for these great big things, or sometimes it's even the smallest thing. Lord, I need you just to heal me of this cold, but the cold runs its natural course. I need you to do something specific in my life, and Lord, I'm standing on your word, but I'm not seeing the answer. So therefore, this scripture irritated me for a long time because I'm praying and I'm believing, but I'm not receiving and seeing the fulfilling of the promise that God is saying in his word. And God had to take me to, let me take this off because this is driving me nuts for just a second. God had to take me to this scripture, and I was in Alaska, and my wife and I were there for, uh, on a cruise for about a week or so, and I got this Russian doll, and I also got another uh, artifact that was really near and dear to my heart. It was a gassy bear, and when you squeeze it, it sounded like it had gas. (laughs) And my wife thought it was funny at first, but... After a while, it wasn't funny anymore, but <laughs> most of the guys still think it's funny. But for some reason, later on, the gassy bear had a balloon, and it got cut. 
And so the bear is not talking and neither is she. Uh, but anyway, this, this doll, and, and God began to speak to me regarding this doll. And sometimes God will take things that are very uh, benign and he gives us deep revelation on it. And he took me back to the scripture that had stunned me and kind of bothered me for a long time. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Now, this is a nested doll. It has a doll within a doll within a doll within a doll. It's about four or five of them inside of this doll. And God began to speak to me. He said that if you abide in Christ, well, this is you and I am in Christ. He said, if you abide in Christ. So when I say, Lord, forgive me for my sins and I establish a relationship with him, I receive Christ. I am now in Christ. That means that everything that he is, the tremendous possibilities are now can, can now be reflected in my life because I am what? In Christ. Y'all can talk back to me today. I ain't, I ain't got no problem with that. Uh, so, 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 so in Christ means my salvation experience. So there are many things that happen to us when we are in Christ. Just because we are in Christ does not mean that stuff is not going to happen to us. Just because we are in Christ doesn't mean that we won't get sick. Because we're in Christ doesn't mean that we may not get cancer. Because we're in Christ does not mean that we may not lose our job. Because we are in Christ does not mean that things that are bad that are happening to, in the world around us will not happen to us as well. It means that you are in Christ, but those things that are going to come are going to come to you in Christ. John said, beloved, it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So many times we are in Christ and we wonder, Lord, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why did this happen to my father? Why did this happen to my mother, my wife, my child? Why did this happen to me? Because I am in Christ. It looks like some of those things I should have bypassed. But Paul tells us in Romans 8, 35 to 37, he said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, pearl, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things. See, if I'm in Christ, that means that he's not going to necessarily move those things because he wants me to understand how to survive and how to be more than a conqueror in Christ. That's why he say, Nate, in all these things, he's letting us know that sometimes, like the Hebrew uh, men, when they were in the fiery furnace, he doesn't get us out of it. He comes into the furnace and he closes the door behind us and he teaches us how to walk in the flames. So Christ has raised us up and calls us to sit together in these heavenly places. So I am in Christ. That means that this is my position. This is the authority that God has given to me. I am in Christ. I've been seated in a heavenly place with Christ. And so therefore, I have the authority of Christ operational in my life. As I said, things will come to us in Christ. But then the Bible says, through Christ. That means that although things may come to me in Christ, when I'm going back out, that is through Christ. So if I am operating through Christ, I can say like Paul, I can do all things through him that strengthens me. Being saved means that there is an inflow of the Holy Spirit within me. 
But being filled with the Spirit means that there is an outflow of the Spirit from me. So therefore, in Christ, I have his authority. I have his power. I have the greatness of who he is. But through Christ going the other way, that's how I'm able to get it done. So let me, let me just double down on that. I am in Christ, but when I'm coming out this way, I am going through Christ. I have the position in place, but I also have the authority. So I see the scripture now beginning to make more sense to me that if I'm abiding in Christ, and of course I abide by relationship and by obedience, that if I'm in Christ, he has given me the authority so that as I'm doing through him what it is he said I can do, then the power of Christ is being released through me. But then he asks the question, or he says, uh, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, then you shall ask what you will, and he said, it shall be done unto you. Which simply means uh, I have the word of God, and God has given me his word, but really, is that loaded within me? Seriously. Is that loaded within me? Because a lot of us, we can have the Bible. We can have it memorized. We can have it uh, on, our, on our CDs, on our podcasts, and all of these places, and it's there. But the reality is, is that thing really loaded on the inside of you? It's like having a big gun with no bullets on the inside. Jesus said, ask for what you will, and it shall be done unto you. My breakdown some years ago was simply this. I'm in Christ, but then I ask God to do something for me. But I'm here, and I'm trying to ask God to do something for me. But I'm, I'm in a whole other zone. I'm not on the same page with him. See, power without relationship is a very dangerous thing. So what God tells us is that when I say, ask what you will, it's not getting outside of Christ to do something and ask him to move because this is where we get disillusioned. We're saying that I'm in Christ and, and now I'm in my own flesh and I'm asking him to do something and because he does not do it, now I got a problem. What's going on? Why come the scripture doesn't work? Why come things are not flowing? And then we get back in Christ on Sunday morning, so to speak, or we get back reconnected, and then we say, well, God didn't answer that prayer. And I don't understand why God did not move. Jesus still says, ask what you will, and it shall be done to you. And I had to understand that if I'm in Christ and I'm asking, then really the context of my asking must be from the context of being in Christ, that God has truly given to me many great and precious promises whereby he said we're able to escape the corruption of this world through lust. What are you saying in that scripture when you go back and look at it from the Greek? He said, if you abide in me and my word, that word is rhema, if my rhema abide in you. See, this Bible has black letters, red letters on white pages. But God has to speak his word afresh to us from this Bible. So when you're listening to this sermon today, when Pastor Jeff is preaching on Sunday morning, when you're listening to your favorite uh, uh, speaker other than Pastor Jeff during the week, what is God saying in the midst of that speaking? What is God saying to you specifically in, in your relationship with him, in the problem that you're going through right now? What is God saying to me? What promise is he giving to me right now? Because that is a rhema. That is a power of what it is that God is saying that because you're in me, because you are able to do through me great things. If you don't have that rhema working inside of you, if you don't have that relationship, then guess what? I cannot begin to speak the promises of God because I'm just kind of grabbing something out of context and then saying it. But that's not really what God has said to me. 
I think about my wife on last night. I think it was last night. And this is funny. I'm going to tell on you. When we got married, and we've been married now for 43 years, 44 years in July, she didn't necessarily like sports. She was not a sports enthusiast like she is today. But I guess she found out because I love sports so much, if she's going to spend time with me, especially on Sunday afternoon or whatever, you got to get into football, basketball, and a few other things. So over the years, she's really gotten quite good at watching football games with me. Now we debate pass interference calls. <laughs> She'll say, he was all over him. No, he wasn't. Or I'll say, it was pass interference. No, it wasn't. He didn't have his arm around the waist. He's got to have his arm around the waist in order for it to be pass interference. She's also gotten into basketball. And many times when I'm looking at sports, I get really excited. I get really angry sometimes. I feel like throwing the remote through the television. <laughs> Steph Curry and the uh, Warriors were playing a really bad game on the other night. And uh, she started talking. She said, Pooh, why do you keep dribbling the ball? Throw the ball. Why don't you pass the ball? What's this razzle-dazzle that you're doing? And the center's up under the goal. Stuff the ball. Stop trying to bank it in. Show them who you are. And I was laying at the foot of the bed, and I was laughing. I was like, yeah. And then she looked at me and said, you know, I sound kind of like you, don't I? <laughs> I was laughing the whole time because that's exactly what I was thinking. You sound like me. But that's what the scripture is saying also to us, is that when you are around somebody a lot, you begin to talk like them. You begin to think like them. You begin to say the same words that they are saying. And that's what Jesus is saying. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you begin to say the things that I say. You begin to think the way that I'm thinking. You begin to say the things that I say. In other words, you're going to take that relational word that I've spoken to you. It's going to be the bullet in your gun, and that's the thing that you're going to say, and that's what's going to be so powerful. See, many times we ask God for small things, and God tells us, I want you to ask me for great big things. But our prayers many times are just an endorsement of what we're able to do and we ask God to do through us that which we're able to do. And God is saying, I don't want to do through you just what you're able to do. I didn't call you to show you what you could do. I called you to show you what I can do. I didn't call you to impress me, but in the process of what I'm going to do through you is going to impress you. Many times we say, Lord, I have goals, and I have a smart goal. We know what a smart goal is. It's specific. It's measurable. It's achievable. It's realistic. And it's time bound. These are the things we normally ask for. These are the goals we normally set. But what was the last smart goal that you had? Can you even remember it? Many of us had a smart goal at the beginning of the year. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to exercise more. How is that smart goal coming along? See, there's nothing wrong with smart goals. But most smart goals are pretty quickly forgotten. Because we set those smart goals, but they are boring. And I'm not saying that they're not necessary. I'm just saying that God is asking us to do something more than smart. He's asking us to do something that I call mutt. That is, is measurable, is unattainable, but it's time sensitive. What God says is, I want you to do a mutt goal. I want you to trust me so that when I put my promise within you, that's what you're going to stand on. See, a smart goal is something that I got to get up, I got to review it, I got to try to remember it. But God is saying, I want to put a mutt goal in you, something that's measurable, it's unattainable, it's time-sensitive, but that's what I'm going to do through you. That's the kind of thing that God is saying to us when he says, I'm going to give you a promise. And a lot of times we say, okay, Lord, I, I believe your word, I trust your word, but 
I only can believe you for the small thing or I act outside of you that that I'm really trusting you for. And now I get disappointed because really life gets very boring and reading the word of God is kind of boring. And so therefore, I'm really not with it. And God is saying, I want to give you a mutt goal. I want to put a goal in you that only I can do, but you can say every day, this is what I believe God for. This is what I'm standing on. How many of us have goals right now? It is so crazy. It is so far-fetched. It is so unbelievable that you haven't even told anybody about it. But you know that God said this is what he wants to do through you. And when God spoke and when God said it, you said, who, me? Am I the one to do this at my age? I'm too young. I'm too old. But God is saying, that's what I want to do through you. That's how I want to operate. That's how I want to move through you. And you say, well, Lord, I don't understand it. But God is saying, I put that in you. And you got to begin to learn to speak and say what I said. Because when you're saying what I'm saying and when you're praying what I said, I believe that it gives God's honor when we take his promise, especially when he has spoken that word directly to us. And we start praying it back to him. When we are fasting, but we are fasting and we're fasting toward the things that God has said. When we're saying, Lord, I believe you, I trust you, I'm standing on what it is you said. This is what God said, because there's a lot of promises in this Bible, but it's only one that I'm going to probably stand on, one or two that I'm going to stand on at any given time. So what is it today that you're standing on? What is it today that you're saying, God, I believe you said this to me. It is so unbelievable that only you can make this a reality. It is so unbelievable that only you can do this through me. That's what the Lord is saying. Ask what you will, because I'm going to put inside of you something that is so immeasurable that when people see it, it's going to blow their minds. Let me close with this. I think many years ago, back in 1997, when we had just built the church, we built the church in 93, it was a real struggle. What time do I need to end? I'm doing great. Okay, I'm looking at the clock, 10 o'clock. Okay, uh, okay. But, but anyway, back in 93, when, when, when we uh, had just finished building the building and the congregation was relatively smaller, much smaller than it is now, we had built this facility in the middle of what is called the hood, right? And uh, it was a lot of things going on around us. As a matter of fact, we had built this facility on a street called Sawyer Road, and Sawyer Road was historically one of the worst streets, if not the worst street in the city of Raleigh. And so we, we built this church that was there, and it was a real struggle for us because of the size of our congregation to be able to build this building. Uh, it was a real struggle. And after building the building, we were trying to figure out how we were going to pay for it, right? And, and, and so I'll I, I never forget when we were trying to get a loan, and because of our income, it was relatively small, uh, all the banks were turning us down, and one by one, they, they said no. So I got to the last bank, and I said, Lord, if, if we don't get it through them, it's not going to happen. So he said, what is the size of the congregation? It was always a question. So I said, you know what, Lord, forgive me, but I, I got to put down everybody this time. So I'm putting down children. <laughs> I said, I hope that they don't ask if these are members. But yeah, Chelsea and Carmen, they're twins. They're only about six years old, but they're members. So... <laughs> I put down everybody's name, and I really got desperate. <laughs> God forgive me for this, but it was a couple of folk had died. I put that name down too. There's always a chance they can be resurrected, so we, you know, we're going to put them down. So, so I put down all the names, and, and we, we were able to get the loan and build the building, and, and praise the Lord, you know, thank God all that happened. But, but now we're in this neighborhood. All this violence is around us, Jamaican grunt, drug gangs, uh, drug gangs prostitution, 
you name it, all this stuff is going on around us. And it was in my heart. I said, Lord, I want to do some housing. But in my mind, I was saying, uh, just get a couple of houses and, and use those for transitional housing. And that was a really big deal for me because where we are, remember, I was using dad folk on the road to get the loan, right? <laughs> so that, that's a really big deal. And, and that was my mud goal was that one day I'm really happy with the churches built. If we can just get two houses and use them for trans, transitional housing. Then we've done something special, but God began to challenge me. And God said, I got something far greater than that for you. You're thinking just two houses. And so the opportunity came. It was an apartment unit across the street, which was the epicenter of violence. All was going wrong, wrong in this piece of property. And, you know, God said, you can get this property. He sent a, a, a senator to us, and he began to explain to us how we can take control over this property, get ownership of it. And you know what? God did just that. It was a $3 million acquisition through tax credits. I was thinking two houses, and God was thinking 32-unit apartment complex. And so I learned from that that, you know, Sometimes what we want is our little smart goal. And God is saying, I got this great big goal. I got this muck goal. I got something that's measurable, it's unattainable, but guess what? It's time sensitive, and I'm going to make that a reality. And over the years, we were able to purchase those two houses. Thank God, you know what we did? Tore them down. <laughs> we did get the two, tore them down. And now God has positioned us to be able to build 154 units of affordable housing on the street. We wanted to take the whole street. When I came in, I was saying, we're going to take two houses. God said, I'm giving you the whole street. I'm giving it all to you. So we're having a groundbreak. We had our groundbreaking ceremony on Easter, our dedication ceremony. We're going to do another ceremony on May the 9th with the mayor and city council. And that'll probably be on the news as well. In terms of what God has done with this little bitty church called Mount Pleasant on Sawyer Road, the whole street has been transformed by the power of God. And it comes about as a result of me aligning myself, us aligning ourselves, my wife, the members aligning ourselves. We're beginning to say, this is what God is saying. It's not possible for us to do it, but he said, if you abide in me relationally, things are going to come to you, but you're going to, in Christ, do some amazing things because the gun is loaded. How many of us have a loaded gun today? We can walk around with the Bible up under our arms. We can have it in our head. But do you have what God is saying for that situation? That I have not jumped outside of Christ and I got something else, but I'm abiding in him. And I'm saying what God is saying unapologetically, not backing down, but I'm trusting God. I think about the book of Eli, the movie one last time. And at the end of the movie, something was surprising, blew everybody's mind. When you look at the movie, the guy was blind. The whole time he was doing all of this stuff he was blind, amazingly. And as he was sitting there, he had lost the Bible, and he was injured, he was dying. But he was giving the Bible, it was going to be printed. He was quoting it word from word from Genesis to Revelation, quoting the scripture word for word, and the guy was writing down the entire Bible. And as we looked at him blind, he had the word in him. Carnegie was trying to take the Bible from him. But he had the word in him. The gun was loaded. How many of us have a loaded gun today? Seriously. How many of us have a loaded gun today? It's one thing to know a lot of scripture, but do you have the promise for the situation? Do you have the promise for your sickness? Do you have the promise for your relational struggle with your wife, your child, that wayward child? 
Do you have a loaded gun? That's a powerful thing when you think about it. When you think about Jesus said, if you abide in me, my word abide in you. The word in me as I abide in Christ makes me very powerful. That makes me very powerful. Do you realize today just how powerful you are? That when you are truly aligned with God, Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to him that believe. And as I close, my last close, and I get two. Uh, <laughs> I said it in my place, I'll give these two. The scripture that he quoted in the book of Eli, he said, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And he said, and the spirit was hovering over the chaos of the earth. And then God said, many of us have chaos in our life, and the spirit seemingly is hovering over the chaos. What is he looking for? What is he waiting for? He's waiting for a word to be spoken in the midst of the chaos so that God goes in operation. He moves by the authority of his word, not our emotions, not our pain, but he moves by the authority and the power of his word to do all things. So as the spirit hovers over the chaos of our lives, he's waiting for that word that he's put in you so that you can speak it and the spirit can go in operation and we can participate in the divine nature with his tremendous promises. Amen. I'm done for today. But I asked you the question one last time. You got this, but is it loaded? Really? Is it loaded? Is it really loaded? I know you're in Christ. I know that you're in him. And I know that you know how to do things through him. But is it really loaded for that child that's gone wayward? Is it loaded? What is God saying for this place? What is he saying in this moment, in this hour? Is it loaded? To me, in my life, the gun truly is loaded. But even in this sermon, I said, Lord, it reminds me of one thing. Sometimes I don't have the gun loaded. I'm trying to fight an enemy. And the word said who is ruthless. I need a bullet, some bullets in that gun. Even if I'm like Barney Fife, I got just one. <laughs> Shoot that one time. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, today because we are in Christ. Your word says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, that you shall ask what we shall ask what we will and it shall be done. Lord, we recognize that we are in Christ. We recognize that you saved us, you set us free. We realize that in Christ, stuff is going to come, things are going to happen. But it is in those things that we become more than conquerors. Sometimes we want to get out of the situation, deliver us, get us out. And God, you're saying, I'm not going to get you out of this right now because I want to teach you how to be more than a conqueror. So in you, Father, we learn how to do things through you. We learn that out of our bellies truly does flow a well of living water, that the salvation you worked in us, it really does work. So, Father, the challenge today is thank you for your word. We know your word. We know scripture. We hear preaching. 
But Lord, what is the rhema? What is the word? What is the promise that is specific to our situation that creates that mutt goal, that creates that thing that says it cannot be done other than with Jesus? So Father, today I pray that you will look down upon us and I pray that through the authority and the power of the word that you will speak to us. God, I, I believe you've already spoken to somebody today that it is in our preaching, Father, that the Holy Spirit speaks. That is a word you've spoken to somebody today, a word of challenge, a word of healing, a word of deliverance, a word that is transformational and powerful. So, Father, we pray in Jesus' name that for every person in here, God, we will leave with a loaded gun. We don't want to just hold a Bible under our arms. We don't want to just know Scripture. But, God, we want to know the specific promise for the specific thing that we are struggling with. And then we got to stand on it. Because, God, you allow us to come to these places in our lives, and we don't understand why sometimes, but, God, you want to show us yourself. So, Lord, I pray that you would minister to every person here today that is not saved, that they will recognize that in Christ, in Christ alone, I can do all things. God, help us as a church to realize that when we're outgunned, when we're outmaneuvered, outmaneuvered when we're outclassed, that's exactly where you want us to be. Because you want to show us the power of vision. You want to show us the greatness of who you are. So we thank you, O Lord, for all things. Strengthen us and we shall be strengthened, healed, and we shall be healed. Father, help us to participate in your divine nature by understanding the specific rhema, the specific promise that you have given to us. We glorify you now. We ask it in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.